Good morning. This is Darrell Gunter, your host for leadership on WSOU 89.5 FM and streaming on the net at WSOU.net. Well, ladies and gentlemen, it is March and March is women in science. And we have one of the top professors in colorectal cancer, better known as uh, bowel syndrome disease. And uh, we have here Professor Eva Segalov from Melbourne, Australia. Professor Segalov, may I call you Eva? Of course. Welcome to the program. How are you doing today? I'm great. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm so excited to talk about your book, Advances in the Molecular Understanding of Colorectal Cancer. But before we jump into your book, can you share with our audience a little bit about your very, very impressive education and background and career experience? Oh, thank you. Uh, I, uh, it's taken uh, my, my uh, career to, uh, to get to this, so many years, uh, but I am a medical oncologist, so a, a cancer doctor. I uh, specialise in the treatment of bowel cancer, uh, in particular, what we call systemic treatments, it used to be called chemotherapy, but uh, not everything uh, we give now for, for bowel or other cancer is, is chemotherapy. But I don't do the surgery. I don't do the radiation oncology. Uh, I do the, the systemic treatment. So I look after patients. Uh, I always say I don't look after cancer. I look after patients who have cancer and their families. Uh, and we give them holistic care um, and uh, look after people with very early cancer through to people with very advanced uh, cancer. So I'm Professor of Medicine at Monash University in Melbourne uh, and Head of uh, the Medical Oncology Unit at Monash Health, uh, in, also in Melbourne. So I have a clinical role and I have a university role that involves research uh, and education. Um, I have a, a laboratory that uh, undertakes translational research, which is the sort of term that's emerged for not just sitting in the laboratory doing experiments that have nothing to do with patients and not just doing trials on patients but not learning about the cancer from biopsies and blood tests and how patients go. So that field is called translational research, and I have a translational research laboratory, uh, collaborate with many wonderful people, um, and uh, that's a, a short summary. Wow, and that's amazing because you've also have edited and published this great book. And so what motivated you with all of your busy schedule, all of the things that you're doing, what motivated you to, to prepare this book for publication? Well, publication is a key um, part of any academic career um, and really part of any uh, of, of helping patients. Um, knowledge is coming so thick and fast now, particularly knowledge from the laboratory. Uh, and in the past 10 years, clinical people who know all about patients and bodies and, and what happens uh, to people with cancer have to marry this understanding of very sophisticated laboratory analyses, laboratory techniques. So they're really two different worlds that have come together 
and actually made great advances in cancer. They've given us new treatments. They've given us new ways to diagnose people. They've given us new ways to head towards what is called precision medicine. Some people call it personalised medicine. I don't think it's ever going to be uniquely personalised. Uh, and so we uh, at Monash University use the term precision medicine. Uh, but it's all about instead of giving the same treatment to lots of people uh, and only some of them benefiting, to be able to, to identify what is best for a certain group of people. Not only treatment, diagnosis, follow-up, diet, lifestyle. You have some people who have the healthiest lifestyle and get cancer. They think that's very unfair. Other people have unhealthy lifestyles and never get cancer. So all of that field about why certain things happen in certain people and not others, precision medicine. So the motivation for writing this book was to try and bring some of the latest advances in colorectal cancer to uh, the clinic and some of the advances in the clinic to scientists and, and uh, researchers uh, looking at bowel cancer. Marrying the two, mixing the two is the most important. Uh, and it's uh, such a joy when you're in a meeting and you're able to contribute saying, well, look, that doesn't actually really happen in patients or you're describing a patient and one of your colleagues says, look, uh, I think I understand why that happens. It's because of something going on in the cell. Wow, that is that is awesome. And you chose to publish this book. I mean, it's amazing. For Intech Open, they're an open access book publisher. You chose to publish it open access, and it's actually their 4,000 open access book. Wow. <laughs> That's, I mean, you, you, so it was. You, you, you've hit the trifecta, you know? <laughs> It wasn't particularly planned. It just happened to come out as the 4,000th book. So uh, I'm very proud of that. Uh, open access publishing is really important uh, and uh, rapid publishing as well because things are outdated uh, so quickly. Uh, you know, there's a really a spirit of sharing information that can help patients, uh, that can help uh, diagnose cancers earlier, develop uh, more um, effective treatments, develop preventions. So uh, this is just my um, a, a project that I was passionate about. Uh, the process is uh, for Intech that the uh, book editor uh, proposes a topic and various areas they'd like to cover. It goes out for anyone in the world to put in a proposal uh, and that's why you'll see there's a huge variety of where people come from who have authored this book, a variety of topics that are connected but not the same and uh, they then print a lovely hard copy if you uh, I'm lucky enough to have got one a, a hard copy with nice color diagrams and and uh, nicely presented but it's also available for access and download online that is and that is. I, 
had such a good experience that I bid to edit another book that is currently underway. Excellent. Excellent. Congratulations. And so what are some of the key findings that you're excited about that are, are published in, in this advances in the molecular understanding of colorectal cancer? So I think the understanding that like most cancers, they, they are as different uh, from each other as one person might be from the next. Uh, which is both a challenge, but also a fundamental part of understanding. Now, we can group people, Americans, Australians, uh, and uh, start rationalising our treatments and our approach in that way. So this book uh, really tells us how we can group various patients uh, with bowel cancer in terms of the nature of their cancer, what has gone wrong with the cell to allow it to grow and spread, which is the fundamental problem with a cancer cell. Uh, the chapter that my laboratory con contributed was about a new sort of monitoring mm. in bowel cancer uh, and also in other cancers. Uh, and this, I think, is going to be a game changer, as they say, in the next five or so years. Instead of having lots of scans all the time, we want a much more simple and more reliable way of working out what's happening uh, with the tumour. Is our treatment working? Um, why does the patient feel worse, but maybe the scan is better? And the real hope is that we'll have a fairly simple blood test that will be able to do the job that at the moment we have to do through a combination of blood tests, scans, various different um, ways of assessing the cancer. Now, we're not there yet, but our um, chapter is looking at uh, monitoring little bits of DNA in the blood called circulating tumour DNA and trying to see how well that fits with the picture of bowel cancer. And so in the U.S. currently, on the, there's a commercial of a company where they're saying that um, you don't need to, uh, when you have to go in for your colon exam, um, you don't need to drink the liquid. You just uh, take a stool sample and send it to them, and they'll be able to, to, to tell you if you have colon cancer or not. Um, I, I, I don't want to disparage any company, but is, is that an effect? That's a new treatment. Is that an effective uh, treatment to see if someone unfortunately has colon cancer? Look, there's a variety of tests and they are all screening tests. So uh, they are getting more accurate, but all tests will have some mistakes. Uh, the issue with bowel cancer is that we know it comes from polyps certain sorts of polyps and if we can pick it up at the stage where it is a polyp then most patients are cured the vast majority mm -hmm. so we want to pick up early uh, um, signs that there are polyps that could then become cancers so that we can remove them uh, now, I can't comment on any specific tests, but we certainly do have screening tests for bowel cancer mm -hmm. uh, and they are getting more sophisticated. What's getting better about them is 
there's less false positives. So there's less time that the test comes back, patients worried, but it turns out they don't have cancer or polyps. And there's less false negatives. So it turns that the test says you're fine, but actually it's missed something. Uh. So we're making a lot of advances in that way. Um, and uh, it may well be another test that is getting us further on that pathway. I see. And for your chapter, how many years of research um, did it take you to get to this point where you could uh, publish this particular chapter uh, that your lab had presented? Look, all research builds on earlier research. So, uh, you, you know, you've got to be very lucky if you come across something that doesn't uh, uh, throw back to many, many, many years. But we've been doing work uh, in this area for a number of years. Uh, builds on previous work. And one of the um, strengths that uh, a translational laboratory has is we have, I have, you know, more than 25 years experience of looking after patients. And although they are all different, there are lots of commonalities. Uh, and so we can see from the clinic, maybe there's something going on here. Why did this group of people have this outcome and why did this other group have a different outcome? So the, the work in the chapter, the immediate work that is cited is, is a couple of years, but the bigger picture goes back to all of my, our experiences. Uh, I have other uh, oncologists in the group, I have scientists in the group, students in the group, and we all bring our experiences to brainstorm what we should look at and how we move forward. And, and over the next couple of years, um, where do you, th what will prevail as some very exciting developments that have come out of your research that you think that we can say, oh, this is very hopeful, we see this on the horizon? So I'll, I'll be a little bit broader than my own research uh, because it, it may well not be me who, who makes a breakthrough discovery. But look, the, the real game changer is the whole issue of uh, technology, mm. not only information technology, but and, um, things that we can do in the laboratory that we couldn't do previously and it needs a worldwide effort everybody needs to put their bit of information in because there is so much information out there that you can get from even one person's cancer uh, but we're now starting to understand the evolution in great detail from a polyp to a cancer mm -hmm. and then why some cancers stay in one place and other cancers spread and then more recently, a lot of focus on how the body reacts to the cancer and in particular how the body's immune system mm -hmm. reacts to the cancer. And there's been a number of cancer treatments that have now been able to enhance the body's immune response so the body can clear the, the cancer. I'm not talking about vitamins called immune boosters in health food stores. I'm talking about you know, actual anti-cancer drugs. Now, interestingly for bowel cancer, most of the current immune drugs 
that work in other cancers like melanoma and lung cancer do not work. And that's because the most bowel cancers, except for a very small number, are able to hide from the body's immune system. Ah. And so a lot of focus is now on trying to find out how bowel cancer can do that and say melanoma doesn't do that, and then unmasking that, uh, that protection that the cancer is able to put up so that the immune system can recognise there are cells there that shouldn't be there, just like it does if you have an infection. The immune system revs up and clears the bacteria or the virus. So we're looking at that. Uh, and as are many people, and I think that will be the big breakthrough that will come. Ladies and gentlemen, we are here with Dr. Professor Eva Segalov, the editor of the Intech Open Book, Advances in the Molecular Understanding of Colorectal Cancer, and we're talking about bowel cancer. And so are you planning to uh, do a tour, a lecture of this particular book? over around the globe <laughs> we we attend many conferences and i give i give uh you know various talks as do many people i'm going this book was really to bring together and give many people from around the world an opportunity to uh publish their data uh and it's you know it's an important book, but in the context of everything that is happening, uh, all of the information in the book will be presented by the different chapter authors at various conferences and in various papers. In some sense, this is also a summary. So there is definitely some original research in there, but it's also context placing. Yes. Uh, and uh, I think we would probably be able in a year to publish an update. That's how quickly the field is moving. Wow, it's moving that fast. Really with technology and the, you know, when I was doing my PhD, uh, there were people who were sequencing one gene for their whole project for five years. And now you can do it, you can do the whole genome, uh, tens of thousands of genes in, in an hour or two. So things oh. are moving incredibly quickly. Uh, one of the issues with getting so much data is how to interpret it and what is noise and what is real. Uh, so we're now almost suffering overload, a bit like internet overload, too much information, what's important and what isn't. And so how can anyone access this book? Because it's an open access book. It's available for download on the Intech website uh, and there's many other books uh, there on not only on cancer, on a whole lot of different topics, 4,000 books, in fact, uh, maybe even one published since this uh, was published uh, last month. So and this is, this is exciting because it's giving the world public access to some very, very cutting edge research and all they need is a laptop or a desktop to access it. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, the focus of the book is for clinicians and scientists. Uh, the public are well welcome to read, uh, but it is very technical. 
I think people do want a lot of information and open access is certainly a way that uh, people in any country, including developing countries, uh, can access information uh, and it's there forever. So sometimes we don't realise things are important at the time and we come back to it. Uh, and that's one of the endearing things about having uh, open access. You can always come back and look at it again. You can update it. You can contact authors if you're interested in their work. And let's talk um, about that. I do want to talk. How do you um, collaborate um, with the world community of other uh, uh, professors and doctors who are in the, uh, this area of colorectal cancer? There's a huge amount of collaboration uh, and mostly it's uh, a joy, incredibly productive. Mm -hmm. There's also industry who we deal with, so the pharmaceutical industry, diagnostics companies, uh, everybody is interested in what is going on and this book gives an overview of what is going on. Right. Uh, people can, di you know, people will email directly. Uh, everybody's uh, affiliation is there. And uh, that is, is, is one of... Is there like an overriding international collaboration organization? Like, give you an example, the International Rare Disease Research Consortium. You know, they have their 60... They're, they're based out of France, but they got their 60 partners globally. Uh, is there something similar for, for bowel cancer? Uh, there, there's certainly clinical trials groups, and I, I'm uh, very heavily involved with our Australian gastrointestinal trials group, and they are in turn liaise with trials, clinical trials groups all over the world. And the idea of any sort of research is to get something that can come into a clinical trial that will then prove that this should become standard and available for everyone. There are many different networks for researchers. Uh, we used to be, it's a very interesting question, we used to be uh, sort of in our own huddles according to what type of cancer we are researching. Now we're more in huddles according to some of the characteristics of the cancer. So the ones that react to immune treatments are sort of in one huddle. Mm -hmm. Those that don't, like most of bowel cancer, might be in another huddle. So there's many, many different organisations and different collaborations, uh, many conferences, many publications. And so uh, this is March, Women in Science, and you are one of the leaders in Women in Science, and I'm so proud to have you on this program. What advice would you give to uh, the eight-year-old little girl who is fascinated by science? Um, what, what advice would you give her in regards to pursuing that passion? I think it's incredibly important. As we know, women are underrepresented in science and particularly as leaders. In fact, women are underrepresented in almost every area of leadership in the community generally. And there's a lot of publicity about that actually, which is great. You know, follow your dream, uh, do uh, things that you love. Uh, it is tough um, uh, to be 
uh, in a minority, uh, but I would encourage women not only to pursue science, but to pursue leadership in science. I'm very fortunate, actually, to sit on the committee for the Australian New Zealand L'Oreal UNESCO Women in Science oh. Award. Oh, yes. I don't know if you know it. I know, I'm very familiar with UNESCO, yes. And we get the most incredible applicants. I'm humbled to even be on a jury to judge. Some of these women are absolutely incredible. Uh, and it ranges from aerospace, you know, astrophysics, any area of science. Uh, we tend to think about science as being very narrow. Um, uh, there are many different areas, data science, information science, uh, it's just exploded. So what I would say to the eight-year-old is get involved. Don't be put off by anyone telling you you can't do it or, or you'd be better off doing something else. Uh, and what I'd say to men is encourage women to be in science and to take leadership positions. Uh, we Find a mentor um, who will help you and guide you uh, and Women are good mentors usually, as are men, but find a good mentor. Uh, and don't think it'll be easy because nothing is easy. Uh, and, uh, you know, persist. And so when you're looking forward to the next five years, um, what is your, 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 what I like to call your hopeful crystal ball that you hope that you and your colleagues will achieve in, in the lab in regards to bowel cancer? So our lab is really uh, trying to look at two main areas. One is bringing new uh, ways to kill cancer cells into the clinic, uh, looking at new targets within the cell. And as, as are many people trying to get rid of this mask that bowel cancers have to hide from the immune system. I hope we will make progress there. And the other issue is in monitoring bowel cancer and being able to more effectively and easily look at, uh, be able to tell people you're cured or uh, we need more treatment. Uh, again, moving towards not giving everything to everybody just in case because we do cause side effects, there is anxiety, uh, and the ultimate goal, of course, is prevention. Yes, yes. And um, believe it or not, we're at the almost at the end of our interview. Time flies when, when we're having fun. Wow. I do want to ask one question about your leadership style. What is your leadership style and, and what makes it so productive to get the results that you have in your lab? It's a good question and, and I'm constantly learning and evolving on my leadership style. I think you're only as good as your team and I have a wonderful team of dedicated uh, clinicians and scientists and students. I think you have to enjoy what you're doing and you have to have passion and as a leader you have to, to show that. Uh, sometimes you have to make tough decisions. Uh, funding is always a problem for research. So I try and be very engaging. I try and have strategies individual for individual people. 
rather than just one style for everybody. I try and be accessible and lead by example and be innovative. That is excellent. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I am so pleased that we've had Professor Dr. Eva Segalov, who's the editor of the InTech Open Book, Advances in the Molecular Understanding of Colorectal Cancer. Uh, Dr. Segalov, thank you for coming on the program. It's a pleasure, absolute pleasure. I've enjoyed it and uh, happy for anyone to contact me if there's any questions. And where, and where can they contact you at? Look, you can go through InTech or you can look me up at Monash University. Absolutely. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that wraps it up on this week with leadership with Darrell W. Gunter on WSOU 89.5 FM and streaming on the net at WSOU.net. I want everyone to have a great weekend, but always remember leadership begins with you. WSOU 89.5 FM.